Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. as we jump in. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you're doing in the midst of us. God, I thank you that you're speaking. You're talking to hearts. You're awakening people. You're awakening in our generation, Lord. God, you're doing a work in our generation, and we're so grateful for it. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just bless our time today. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, for your help to articulate well. Lord, that you would speak through your word, that you would announce the good news, God, that your love would shine through and you would do it only you can do, Lord. Thank you for that. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. From time to time, I tell stories from my experience in the military, and um, I just wanted to talk to you about something specific this morning. Um, When I was in the service, first of all, I want to tell you that I thank God for my process in the military. And you should thank God for it too. (laughs) Because in the military, uh, in, in the service, I experienced discipline because of obstinance. My will got adjusted during my time in the service. And that's a really good thing, okay? During my time in the service, I I really do, I look back with great fondness and I thank the Lord for it because growing up, I had what we know as a stubborn or unbridled will. I know, it's hard to believe, yes. My dad was in the first service and he was like, oh yeah, yes he did. Yeah, it is the process that we go through learning how to submit to authority. And it's a necessary process because all authority comes from the Lord. Authority is established through God's kingdom. There is an authority structure that's in the world. It's not how the world system works. But his kingdom functions through authority. And in my life, I had not learned in my growing up years how to submit my will to another's authority. That obstinance led to many pains in my life and, you know, outcomes I was not intending. And so my time in the service was wonderful for me personally because it was Uncle Sam saying, son, you will submit your will and obey, or you will go to jail. Look at that. I'm learning. Thanks, Jesus. I had some amazing supervisors and commanders. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I worked in special operations my entire time in the service. I was one who worked on equipment. I never had to pull a trigger in combat. I'm so thankful for that. Thank you, Jesus. In the midst, though, of my process, I faced amazing leaders, ones that you wanted to do anything they say. They had you. you, They were worthy of working for. Amazing. And then I had some guys not. Let's just say that. Let's just not. And their techniques in helping me to adjust my attitude were painful for me. I literally, this is a true story, I had a supervisor that when I questioned anything he said, he would physically beat me. (laughs) Right? Isn't that fun? Yeah. In the midst of that, I was saying to the Lord, Jesus, you said turn the other cheek. And I did that once. Do I have to keep doing that? Right? Or is there no further instruction? Turn the cheek, and now it's my opportunity, right? (laughs) And I was saying to the Lord, I was going, Lord, where are you in the midst of this? And he was saying, son, I'm teaching you something. I want you to be thankful for this guy. 
be thankful for somebody who is a terrible leader. Be thankful for it because I'm in the midst of this helping your will learn how to submit to me. Because here's the truth, and this is a great lesson. The way that you interact with earthly authority, people, structures, is a mirror telling you how you are submitting to God. If you cannot submit to authority that's present and in your face and a part of your life, if you, if you can't willingly choose to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, if you can't choose that yourself, you're lying to yourself if you believe you're obeying the Spirit of God. Because when the Holy Spirit comes and he prompts you, it's not with skin on, right? The Holy Spirit prompts you and he's asking you to obey. If, if you can't do it, with somebody who's face-to-face, if you can't make that choice, then what makes you think you're doing it with the unseen God? That's the thing. And that was the main lesson. By the way, I'm talking to me. I'm telling my story. I'm not telling your story, okay? Don't get all bristled yet. It ain't time. Later on, I'll warn you when that happens, okay? This is... (laughs) I, I learned how to submit to ungodly authority. And in the midst of it, the Lord taught me how to choose to submit to him. He used something that was meant for evil, for good in my life. And he does that for you too. The key was to become thankful for whatever I was facing, to be present in it. Not to be obstinate, but to be present in it, to learn. And in the midst of that, the Lord turns things for good. That's a hard lesson. And I am praying that you can learn that lesson without having to lose job after job because you're obstinate to a boss. In fact, in parenting, it's actually one of the main goals of parenting. Parents, discipline your children so that the world doesn't have to rain consequences on them. Parents, teach your children how to obey Because in their obedience, learning to submit their will to you, to bend their will. This is what discipline is for. They learn to bend their will to their parents in a godly, loving situation so that later on in life, they don't have to face the ungodly pain of someone forcing them into that position. It's the purpose of discipline, the scripture says. In fact, what I have learned and what I'm going to share with you today is that authority and learning to bend the will is always related to a promise that God has for you. In fact, every command to bend the will is always related to a promise. Here's the first command that contains a promise. Children, Obey your parents, for this is right. For if you do, the world will respond favorably to you. You'll be able to live long and you will prosper. It's not just a Spock thing. It's that it's a command with a promise. Learning to submit your will allows you to remain and prosper. Isn't that amazing? I have learned this lesson many times in my life. I'm grateful for it. And this morning, I'm hoping to talk you through the scriptures, a story about a transition in generation between Moses and Joshua. And in the midst of that transition, in the midst of Joshua submitting to Moses, and then Moses letting go of his role and giving it to Joshua, in the midst of that transition, something amazing happens. Israel steps into their promises. But those who were unwilling to obey the command of the Lord in his timing end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and missing out on God's promise. And all of it was related to when God asked them to do something 
through Moses, a leader, they were unwilling. I want to tell you today that God's promises are on the other side of you learning how to bend your will to authority. And that is a difficult lesson in an age where we have a whole bunch of ungodly leaders. Should I just drop the mic and walk off? Is that, was that it right there? Huh. The Holy Spirit of God is stirring us today. And he's wooing us. And the Holy Spirit's leadership is, is kind. And he, he, through his loving kindness, through his mercy, he woos you to obedience, to repent, to change your mind so you step into God's promises. And that, that amazing process of him wooing you sometimes can feel like God's your buddy. God's my pal. He's just guiding me. But I want to tell you today that there are times in your life where the Holy Spirit is not encouraging you. He's commanding you. And, and in those moments, if you can't distinguish between him trying to change your mind with kindness and him telling you what to do, you will miss out on something big in your life. And so learning how to respond to that is so critical. I, I tell this, this story before, but I'll just tell it again. I have a friend, somebody I grew up with, who is driving down 35 and he's heading towards the bridge that collapsed. And he's coming to the bridge, and the bridge is about to collapse. And the Lord speaks to him in a commanding voice inside his heart. Get off the road now. And he felt the imperative, got off the exit. And when he got off the exit, the bridge collapsed. He would have been on it. Now, you tell me, was the Holy Spirit giving a suggestion or a command? Would you like to live long in the land and prosper in your way? Well, then learn to submit your will. Amen. I'm going to read several passages of Scripture. I'll, I'll, let me give you the title of the message today. We all live in this reality. We all live with God's kingdom, a king on a throne. And in his kingdom, authority is how it is structured. And we walk in obedience to his ways. And then things go well. When you received Christ, you became an ambassador of that kingdom. Your role in the earth is to demonstrate, to represent God's kingdom to the world. So the process of discipleship, Dave, is... No one else is responding, so... The process of discipleship is learning how to submit our will to authority. It's actually a process of discipleship. And when we do that, things go well, and God does his stuff, and we end up becoming a part of his plan in ways you never could have dreamed up. This is going on for Moses and for Joshua. In fact, Israel has been promised some things. An entire land... It's called the promised land. They have some promises and they're attached to a place. And they're exited Egypt and they're heading towards the promised land. Moses is their leader. In the midst of the wilderness, some things happen. There is a family who decides, you don't know what you're talking about, Moses. We're going to do our own thing. And they lead a group of people to turn around and to go back to Egypt. And the ground opens up and swallows them. Do you think God was serious about obeying authority? <laughs> Moses gets the people across the wilderness and comes up to the River Jordan. And this is where we're going to pick up our story today. This is Deuteronomy chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 22. I got a bunch of readings, so don't distract me with questions. Come on. Today's sermon is called Generational Alignment, Growing in Your Personal Calling While You Are Learning to Submit to Authority. Doesn't that sound fun? Isn't it fun? Yeah, just if you're not interested, you can get up and leave now. This is the moment if you want to. It's a brief intermission. Genesis 1, 22. We'll have some fun. Don't worry. Starting 
in verse 22, chapter 1, verse 22. Then all of you approached me, Moses said. Let's send men before us that they can search out the land for us. Bring back to us a word by way of which we should go up and the cities we should enter. The thing pleased me, Moses speaking. So I took 12 of your men, one man from each tribe, and they turned and they went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and they spied it out. They took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and they brought it down to us and they brought us back a report. They said, it's a good land which the Lord God is about to give us. I think it is proper and important for you to explore God's promises for you. Figure it out. What's he calling you to? It's kind of exciting. God, what's my calling? What's my purpose? What's my gift? What's, it's all that self-analyzation stuff. There's a point for that. Shouldn't be the whole point. But there is a point, purpose to it. Figure out who you are and your identity. Figure out what you're called to. That's awesome. Just remember, at the end of the day, you have to be obedient to step into it. Verse 26. Yet you were not willing to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents because the Lord hates us, he said. God hates us. That's why he brought us out of Egypt. God's delivering us to the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have made our hearts melt. Can't you just hear it, the whining? The people are bigger and taller than us. The cities are large and fortified all the way to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of the Anakim there. That's the Nephilim. It was like breed of angel men, the mythical giants. We saw them there. We can't go in. We're certainly going to be destroyed. Moses said, do not be shocked. Don't fear them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight on your behalf, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. In the wilderness where you saw the Lord your God carried you, just as a man carries his son, in all the way which you walked until you came to this place. But for all of this, you did not trust the Lord who goes before you on your way to seek out a place for you to encamp in the fire by night, the cloud by day, to show you the way which you should go. And then the Lord heard the sound of your words. He was angry. He took an oath saying, not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers, except for Caleb. He will see it, and to him and to his sons I will give the land on which he sets his foot, because he has followed the Lord fully. The Lord was angry with me also, Moses said. Not even you will enter there. Tough break. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, shall enter there. So encourage him, for he will cause in Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones, who you said would become prey, and your sons, who this day have no knowledge of good or evil, shall enter there. And I'll give it to them, and they will possess it. But as for you, turn around and set out for the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. Consequences. There was a divine timing, a window of time where Israel could have entered the promise right on time. Boom, they're in. God would have delivered. They would have entered in their promise. That generation would have. It was all set up. There is clearly something going on where that window and that timing, because of disobedience, closed. Boom. There's no room for objecting to authority. You have to obey authority if you're going to inherit the promise. That was the lesson. Look up here a second. Don't be afraid of this message. Don't be afraid. For I bring you good news, tidings of great joy. <laughs> Authority is established 
the scripture says, upon righteousness and justice. The foundation of God's throne. God's throne is his kingdom. It's his rule. It's authority. When you say, come your kingdom, you're saying, God, we want your authority to rule in our circumstance. The foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. Righteousness is the standard. Everyone say, it's the standard. Now, question for you. Is God holy? Is his standards high or, you know, look sketchy. They are high. In fact, he demands perfection to his ways. His standard is so high, no man in history has ever fulfilled it except Jesus Christ. His standard is so high, it's perfection. It is holiness. God says, be holy because I'm holy. You're my people. Represent me in holiness. Live up to the standard, God said. Justice is upholding the standard among people. Justice serves the standard. Justice is a servant of the law. Justice is the consistent way you uphold the standard. In fact, that's what our justice system is supposed to be about. It doesn't create laws. It interprets them in order to make sure the standard is being met. If you don't like it, change the law. It's not the justice system's fault. It is the law. This is why voting matters. You should do that, okay? Here's the deal. God is consistent. Does anybody believe that? He is faithful. He does not change with the shifting of shadows Every good and perfect gift comes from him. Your father is consistent. He does not, he's not like your earthly dad. He doesn't react in emotion. He holds a standard. He is faithful. What he did today, he will continue to do tomorrow and forevermore. He lives up to his standard continually. In fact, that's why he's in charge. Because his standards are upheld with faithfulness, and that's what establishes an authority. You want to be in charge? Uphold the standard faithfully. If you violate the standard, that's why you're not in charge. Because authority is established on righteousness and justice. Does that make sense? That's who your God is. And no one in history could do it except Jesus. Jesus perfectly upheld the standard and chose to lay his life down to create a new covenant for you to relate with God. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad. I'm so glad. The people of Israel suddenly come to a realization that they're about to miss out on God's promise because they were unwilling to submit to the authority of the command. They're afraid. Fear does lots of nasty things in us. If you're afraid, it's hard to obey. When you're afraid, it's hard to obey. That's why relationship is important. There's so much I would like to rabbit trail in these moments, but, but I can't because Victoria went long in worship. <laughs> Suddenly, the people are filled with regret and they make a terrible decision. They go, this is verse 41. They said to me, we sinned against the Lord. We'll go up and fight. They changed their mind. Just as the Lord commanded us, we'll do it. So every man girded his weapons of war and regarded it as easy to go up into the hill country. But that wasn't what was being told to them. Oh, it's easy. No, they said, the spies said, if God goes with us, God will fight for us. See, regret will cause you to make decisions outside of authority. Parents, let me give you a secret. You will have regret 
in relationship to how you parented. There's no way around it. You're not perfect, and you're going to figure that out someday. In fact, your kids will figure it out and tell you. (laughs) It's going to happen. It will happen. And you have some options in that moment. You can, in regret, try to change course and suddenly become something you're not. And if you do that, your kids will reject it because it's not authentic. They won't even buy into it. This ain't dad. It's not who you are. We know who you are. Don't even try it with us. If you've ever been through this, it's a very painful experience. What I know about regret is this, that the only antidote to regret is thankfulness. It is to be thankful for the opportunities you had and for God's faithfulness in it, and for the relationship. And what happens in those moments, I'll tell you this, is that when regret comes, if you can choose to be thankful for the opportunity to have this conversation, it's hard, but it's a point of connection. And if right there in that moment you will create connection with your child, you'll win the day. If you get prideful, I did what was right, you were doing what was wrong end of relationship, you're going to have regret the rest of your life. Divided homes, very painful. Don't do that. Learn the lesson today. Submit to authority. The Holy Spirit will help you in that moment because the moment is about connection. The moment is about admitting and repenting because when confrontation comes, you go, I'm right. You're right. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Can we move forward together? Amen. There you go. Don't try out of regret. Regret is a terrible motive. Don't try to make decisions out of regret. You won't, it won't work. Moses spoke to them and said, hey, don't do that. God's not going with you. But you acted presumptuously and went into the hill country. And the Amorites who lived in that country came out against you, chased you as bees chase you, crushed you from Seir to Hormah, and then you returned and you wept before the Lord, but the Lord did not listen to your voice nor give ear to you. So you remained in Kadesh many days, the days that you spent there. Hard lessons. Chapter 2, verse 1, you ready? So we turned for the wilderness by way of the Red Sea as the Lord spoke. And then we circled Mount Seir for many days. We circled Mount Seir. Okay, so God goes, return to the wilderness. You have not learned this lesson. We need to learn it again. You didn't learn the lesson? We got to learn it again. This is where the phrase going around the mountain comes from. They didn't learn the lesson, and so God had them circling the mountain until they figured it out. Have you ever had to revisit a lesson? You didn't learn it the first time? And so you find yourself in a very similar situation again? Yeah, six years in the military, right here. Every assignment I had, I learned the lesson over and over and over. And I still keep learning. It's great. That's why my dad's at this church now. He's here to help me learn the lesson. (laughs) Going around the mountain and says... So they were around that mountain many days. And then verse 2, and then the Lord spoke and said, all right, you circled the mountain long enough. Now turn and go north. Command the people saying, you'll pass through the territory of your brothers, the sons of Esau. This one's a big lesson, okay? Perk your ears up if you can. You're going to pass through the territory of your brothers, the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, and they're afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not provoke them, for I will not give you any of their land, even as little as a footstep, because I gave Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. They're afraid of you, so be careful of your choices. Because when someone's afraid, they react. And if you react back, I'm not with you. I'm not going to give you any of the land that belongs to Esau. Why? Because God 
promised Esau that land. Israel was walking towards their promised land that they had not come into. But Esau was already in his promised land. And Israel was about to pass through someone else's promise. Israel was about to pass through someone else's promise. And they needed to get through without fighting, without jealousy, without antagonistic experience. They needed to walk through Esau's land because God was not going to give them any of it for their inheritance. It belonged to somebody else. Amen? Amen. In fact, all of chapter 2, all the way till verse 24, is Israel, God's covenant people, walking through the land of other nations who had received their promise from God, and those nations belong to those people. And each time God says, do not try to, in hostility, take their land from them because it belongs to them, not you. Your promise is coming, and out of obedience to the submission of your will, you will inherit that promise. <laughs> So Israel, God's covenant people, hearing God's voice, responding to the Holy Spirit, the leadership of the Lord, had to ignore the possibilities of hostile takeover to somebody else's promise. If you're a business owner and you have the opportunity to take on swallow up, consume another company, if you're a believer, you ought to check in with the Holy Spirit because you might be entering the territory of someone else's promise. You hear an idea and you want to steal it, you may want to check in with the Holy Spirit before you consume someone else's idea and pass it off as your own. Because you might be dealing with a promise and a word from God to another person. And it don't belong to you. And the God who is consistent, who upholds righteousness and justice, let me tell you, he won't be in it for you. Mom and dad, if by your will you force into submission your children... And you don't, in relationship, connect and walk with them in their promises. If you're like, no, this is where our family's going, and you ignore the fact that God's talking to them too, you might miss the reality that you destroy or you, inter you interrupt and you interpret incorrectly your child's promise. Do you, do you see it? You see it. Come on, an amen might help right here. Okay, yeah, heard it. But here's the deal. This one brings up something that I don't think we like to think about. Okay, there's always a moment of like great offense in every sermon. This is it right here. I told you I'd warn you. This is it right here. You're saying bring it. Okay, here we go. God was talking to the other nations about their promises and was not talking to Israel about that. God was talking to other nations. His promises were coming forth in other nations, not in the covenant. Your God, the one who talks to you, is also right now talking to people outside of Christianity. And if you're not careful, your belief that as a Christian, I'm right, 
may misinterpret what they're doing because they might be walking according to what God told them to do and you violate it, not understanding that God has a way of bringing the, all the world, all the nations, all the people groups under his kingdom. And it's not the Western way. That wasn't the offense. That wasn't it. Just so you know, it's still coming right now, okay? Here's a little history lesson for you. We don't like history. It's way too truthful. Hindsight is 2020. It's hard. It's hard to look at history, to look at the outcomes, look at decisions that were made and the cost of them. And we get an opportunity right now to look backwards, last 300 years. Last, I'm gonna, actually, I will go 500 years since the Reformation. We get a chance to look at the outcome of choices. You know, if you go to the South right now, you can find First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist, Fourth Baptist, all on the same street corner. And they all came from First Baptist. But in the midst of First Baptist, it turned into Second Baptist, the dividing of a congregation, because somebody in the midst of it went, I'm right, you're wrong, we divide. The Protestant church, does anybody have the number for how many times the Protestant church has divided in history? You don't. You know why? Because it is innumerable. You can't count it. How many times churches have divided? Anybody have an idea how many times the Catholic church has divided? Woo, that's a sore spot right there, isn't it? The word Protestant literally means to protest. It is we will not submit to authority. That's what it means. That's what it's rooted in. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying this is history. In the 15th century, something happened. The Catholic Church, in partnership with government, had an idea. In the 15th century, something came forth out of the Catholic Church called the Christian doctrine of discovery. The Christian doctrine of discovery. The idea was this, that we need to mark all the nations of the world as Christian or not Christian. And that will determine if our governments can go and by hostility colonize. It's what gave permission to go into other lands and take resources. The scripture says that greed or the love of money produces a whole host of evils, and yes, it has. So through the idea that Christianity has to hostily take over, we also had permission to go and to try to force other people groups into our way of doing life. Ignoring the idea, ignoring the idea that God has been speaking to other people outside of his covenant people. This is a big idea. Can you get your head around it that God could be talking to your neighbor right now and he doesn't know Jesus? Okay, we go, yeah, right. Because the assumption is, yes, he's talking to him about you must convert. That's what God would talk to somebody who doesn't know Jesus about, right? You must convert. Christianity, for it is the way. Religion's not the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. It turns out that Jesus right now is showing up in the dreams of Muslims 
led by millions right now, showing up and introducing himself to them. Not hostily taking over their culture, but rather introducing them to the gospel, the fulfillment of their culture. What if we're supposed to, big ideas, right? I know, I can see you guys squirming out there, by the way. I, I, again, I haven't even gotten to the, the point yet. I'm building. Brace yourself. <laughs> Just brace yourself. What if the point of preaching the gospel was not to conquer, but rather to help them fulfill their promises God already gave them? What if Jesus is the fulfillment of people's processes? Because that is the truth, actually. That's the point of preaching the good news, is that Jesus is the fulfillment. Everybody needs Jesus. He's the only way to the Father, only way. Someone had to fulfill the law, but it doesn't mean everybody takes the journey of being a Jew. Other journeys exist. And God is in the midst of that. And if you can admit that, then, oh my, you are about to become a Joshua generation. Because it's the Mosaic generation that doesn't get to enter. But the Joshua generation is alive to the reality of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And I don't understand what's going on, but Peter is just preaching the gospel in a room of Samaritans. Half Arabs. Rejected culture. He should not be there. It's illegal. And Peter is just preaching the gospel, and he doesn't even get to the 10-word prayer you pray at the end of the gospel. He is nowhere even near it. He is preaching the gospel, and in the midst of it, the Holy Spirit falls on those people. And they all start speaking in tongues, and Peter hasn't even fully explained anything. That's not how it's supposed to work. We need an altar call, and you have to come up, and you got to pray the seven-word prayer, the ten-word prayer, whatever it is. I don't know the right prayer. One of my fellow Baptists can come teach me. Grew up Baptist. Love it. Love my roots. It was a process that God took me to the fulfillment of promise. And can I invite you today to see some of you came from the Catholic background or the Lutheran background, and you were like, and we get angry at the mother church, but can you just for a second be thankful for God's process that brought you to liberty instead of rejecting and being angry at it? See it as a process. So what if God's taking other people through different processes? Or does it have to be according to the way you think it's supposed to go? Here's the big idea. (laughs) (laughs) This is the one that's offensive to Americans. Okay? This is offensive. We can get around it like thinking about other nations. European nations conquered because of this. Yeah. We have an idea born in the 1800s called Manifest Destiny. And Manifest Destiny is rooted in the Christian doctrine of discovery. That's where it came from. And Manifest Destiny said... Americans can take lands west of the Mississippi at any price because it's God's dominant process. And a whole host of evils has come from that. But I will tell you, in our moment in history, right now, be alert to it, be awake, because you're watching it happen. There is change happening right now. That change is that suddenly aboriginal peoples have a voice. Have you noticed that? That's because God is trying to reverse the curses that came from the division in generations. Malachi 4, 5, and 6 says this, that the prophetic unction would come and it would turn fathers to children, children to their fathers, so that a curse won't result. And the reality is this, that as we follow the Holy Spirit, his prophetic leading, it causes us to suddenly honor our fathers and mothers, and children turn their heart back towards them, parents turn their heart back towards them, and where there was a division in generations, suddenly we're working together, and we see that the promised land, although I can't enter into it, you can, so I should cheerlead you. 
I shouldn't fight against you. you. God's leading you. It may look different than anything I thought about, but God might be actually leading this generation right now. And the current one's like, God told us not to go into the promised land, but Joshua's saying, rise up and conquer. <laughs> Who's right? Moses had to pass the baton. He had to let go of control. He had to go, okay, it's going to look different through Joshua's leadership. I got to let go and I got to let him lead. That's how it works. Generation to generation, it looks different. King Saul to King David to Solomon, it looked different every single time. Same anointing, same God. Manifest destiny had brought us through the breaking of many covenants in our land, y'all. And a great host of evil has come upon peoples. And I'll tell you, in our day, as God is giving voice to aboriginal peoples, first peoples, it's all over the world. There is a justice that will uphold a righteousness and it will reverse covenant breaking, curses. It's coming. I don't know what it looks like, but it's coming. And there's a Joshua generation that's rising up. It's like, yep, it's time. And it's going to look totally different. But I'll tell you that the curses in this world, because of presumptive aggression to take over instead of acknowledge God's leading, to conquer instead of preach, To control instead of offer the good news. That process, right now, it's being unveiled. And I'll tell you right now, there, there is a move of God that's afoot. And it's awakening a generation to know Jesus, but it might not look like your religion of Christianity. I love our ways but it's actually possible for someone to come to Jesus and to know the way and be connected to the Father in spirit, and it looks different. (laughs) Not everything in history is good. I wonder what evils the Lord is gonna reverse in our lifetimes. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I can tell you it's coming. It's a foot. It's already here. Generations coming alive to that purpose right now. Justice will be served. It's going to happen. Why? Because that's who your God is. I can tell you this, that the justice of heaven looks like Jesus gets everything he paid for. So the justice of heaven looks like, and he paid for all sin, all of it, all the broken covenants, all the violations, all of it. He paid for it. He's trying to redeem and reconcile not conquer and change. Just put a hand on your own heart this morning. This is our prayer this morning. My prayer is that the Father in heaven would help you to move from regret to thankfulness so that you can be present to follow the Holy Spirit's leading, not to presume upon your previous ideas. Don't presume. You don't actually know what you're talking about. God's at work. Follow his lead. Don't presume you know what to do. That thing right there, that is a huge lesson. Learn to submit to authority because it is how God moves in the world. Holy Spirit, we just give you permission this morning. This one is a, it's a tough word, Lord. There's all sorts of implications. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you would would take these simple words, my feeble attempt at explaining, Lord, I think you would take that, Lord, and you would unlock hearts and you would cause us to come alive to what really is true and what you're doing in our generation. I thank you for liberty that comes, that through the river of life, through the leading of the Spirit, It's not just bodies that are restored and healed, but that you open those prison doors and you set captives free. And so, Lord, I thank you for the 
the multicultured, multinational, multicolored, multicultural uh, interpretation, multi, multiverse of your kingdom. That there is one way to be connected in spirit with God. It is through the man Jesus who opened a new covenant. And that door is narrow, and you must enter in through that door. But on the other side of that door, my friend, woo, it's a big kingdom. Holy Spirit, I pray you would help us, empower us. I thank you that love wins. It really does. That, that you would reverse, God, the brokenness in our families through our forced criticism, through our control, through I'm right, you're wrong, Lord, the division in families, I pray that you would reverse that curse and you'd bring healing. Church, I'm telling you, if you will think of the long game, think generationally, don't think about trying to win right now. Don't try to be filled with regret and do something about it. Don't do that. Think the long game. Think of your grandchildren and loving your kids, even though they disagree with you. Love them right through it, no matter what, because what's coming is a generation that will know him. Surround your kids with mercy because mercy triumphs over the judgments. Mercy sets people free. Holy Spirit of God, empower this body that we might trust your leadership and see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And before the throne is every nation, every tribe, every dialect, every culture. I thank you for that, Lord. I bless your people today. I bless your people today. You guys alive? I bless your people today, Lord. Come on, would you just stand to your feet? I bless this church. I bless this people, the frozen chosen. God, I bless them. I thank you, Lord, for their lives and all the, those you will reach through, through them. And I bless the work of their hands and the spreading of the good news of Jesus. I bless that work. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's grace be upon you. May his countenance be towards you. May the Lord be gracious and grant you his peace. Everyone who dared to agree with that said, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord this morning? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. Please visit us at ithehouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.